0: Let's get this passage, and then we'll take our seats after that. Let's go to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 16. And when I say I can't see y'all, I mean it. I cannot see anyone. There we go. Maybe I should wear like a ball cap today. (laughs) When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Isn't it funny? We're talking about light here, and we can't see. (laughs) God's trying to sharpen our spirit by taking away our fleshly senses today. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Jesus says, my Father and I are one. You cannot separate the two. God has no face except the face of Christ. There you go. So I stand with my Father. My title today is Decision Trails. Decision Trails. As you take your seats, if you can see your neighbor, ask them, what's that left behind you? What's that left behind you? What's that left behind you? If we can prop that door open and just keep it open, Vince, let's keep that lobby door just open. That does help quite a bit. Not the bathroom one. That's a hideous door to have in an auditorium. We're getting rid of that door. Nobody wants a door to the bathroom from the auditorium. That's just weird. (laughs) We just tell it like it is here. Hey, if you're new here, welcome to One Seed Church. We're under construction, and we're raw and doing it for God no matter what. We've been doing it like this for five years, and we're just entering into the next season with construction. We've got a beautiful thing going on behind this wall that's why you probably can't even tell from the audience side of perspective, but this is all six feet forward, so the worship team and the pastor are a little closer this week. We've, we're bonding, I'd like to call it. It's because they're, they're starting to take, take out pieces of the wall behind the curtain. Isn't that cool? And y'all, didn't, if you didn't know any different, then it'd just be like a wall to you, but we've been waiting for a year for this wall to come out because we've got a big, beautiful four-foot stage on the other side waiting for us. And I, I see it every day back there amongst the sawdust and the trench plumbing and the, and the shrapnel and, the, and the, 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 the the lifts and the, and the, and the plywood and the spilt coffee on my new stage. Yes, somebody did it already. Them workers. I was up there. I had no tissue paper. I had cardboard. I was trying to sop up, co- I was trying to sop up the coffee with some cardboard yesterday because it bugged me that their coffee was just sitting there on our brand new plywood on our stage. See, I'm, I'm, I'm out to protect this thing, man. If somebody spills coffee, I'm there wiping it up. I go for it. That's how we shall all be, protecting what's, what's sacred and delicate in God's, God's house. Kingdom dollars are buying this, so we want to keep it in good, good shape. Amen? All right. couple couple things before we go back to this passage. As Michelle said, Wade Joy is coming March 26th. That's next Sunday. You can clap for that. What do we do? I don't even see you, and I still can tell you you're not doing nothing. <laughs> we, Wade Joy is an amazing speaker, coach, and, and minister, and uh, he's coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina, across the country. I almost said across the pond, but that's not accurate. That'd be Europe. But it sounds cool. He's coming. He's, he's out of Elevation Church in Charlotte, and he's coming all the way to speak to one seed. When he could be speaking at a lot of places, he chose us. Okay, so that's, that's a blessing, guys. I keep preaching it. This is not normal what we're doing, and we'll continue to pave a path that is unique, and so we're so excited for Wade to come. And then in two weeks, this is three weeks, two weeks, three weeks from today, oh, my math's not good. April 9th is Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. If anybody goes to church, they go on at least on Easter Sunday. Can I get an Amen. So I know you all know somebody that at least is willing to go on Easter Sunday. Now, your mission that you've been called to, like Mission Impossible here, is that they come back after, that they, they realize this is not a visitation to get the hit and go back to the weekly, weekly habit. This is to get cured and become an advocate for the kingdom and live out this mission daily. There's a difference. I heard a pastor say this yesterday. It was really good. He said, I'm going to make sure to say this right. He said a church is not only a hospital but it's also a, a, a fellowship hall, and it's also um, like training ground. Because he says what people do, like the people that come like once every two months, they come in, they get their buzz, and they leave, and they go back to their normal life. They're stopping at a point that is premature in their walk, and they're hurting them. And so I want to tell you all, I love you all, but, but until you get to a point where it's every day of your life that Jesus is the focus of your day, you're not done walking towards him. And so you always kind of stay stuck in the same thing. It's because you come in just strong enough to get a touch, and then you go back to the same habits, the same things. We're supposed to be changed and made new. That means we leave behind old ways and old thinking. Y'all getting this? I don't even know if you, I can't, usually I can at least see your faces, like, like, I can tell if you're checking out, if you're falling asleep. Now, I don't know what's happening. I just see, like, it's so good. Uh, it's kind of like, It's weird. It's like preaching to an empty room. But y'all are in here. I like it. I like it for today. So Easter Sunday, bring somebody. It's going to be amazing. 4,000 eggs on the side. We don't like the bunny, but we'll do the eggs, if y'all want to know. Not a fan of the bunny, but we do the eggs for the kids. It's fun. Uh, We keep it about Jesus around here, but we do some eggs. Um, Oh, I know. Chloe, are you in here? Chloe, please come to the front. Don't fall. Give it up for my daughter, Chloe. <laughs> this is so weird. I can't even see her walking. You brought my other child. You're brave. She's got Camilla, my other daughter. Give it up for Chloe. She's, she sang. And Camilla, wow. Camilla, you haven't been up here since your dedication, I don't think. She's one. She's turning 13 on Tuesday. Excuse me while I go ball my eyes out for a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. And uh, I just wanted to shout out her birthday because she's my first baby, and she, she's like grown now. And um, she just does a lot for this church. She's leading worship with Nolani and the team, and, and man, she gets me together at home, and I just see her maturing into such an amazing young woman. And I'm not just saying that because I'm her dad. She just really is an amazing kid, and I'm just so blessed to call you my daughter And so we want to sing you happy birthday. And um, I I said I'd quit offering this, but I'm going to offer it to you and bring it out of the bag. Do you want old school or new school? New school. Good choice. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chloe. Happy birthday to you. All right. One more round. Okay, you may go, do not crash with my child. I tell my child all the time, don't drop my child. That's my other baby she's carrying. Okay. So we were reading this passage in John, which is my favorite gospel. And the gospel of John emphasizes the deity that was in Christ. That's why when you're reading John, you often hear about like Jesus talking about how him and the Father are one, and and I will come for you, and I will I will not leave you parent. I will not leave you parentless. He says in John fourteen, and he tells Nicodemus about being born again in chapter three. And it, in, the, in the first chapter says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we knew Him not, and beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father, and we hung Him on a tree and killed Him because we we were political, is what, what it says. But they're saying God came. John is all about showing God was Christ. And you can't separate the two. And each gospel has a different context like that. The, the, the book of Matthew was to the, the Jews announcing that the Messiah had come. And so if you read the, the, the book of Matthew, there's a lot of Jewish cultural things in there that if you weren't like a Jewish farmer and things like that, it wouldn't make sense to you, but it made sense to them. The book of Mark was about the authority of Christ. It's the shortest gospel. The book of Luke was about the humanity of Christ that he felt and feels and and suffered just like we do anything we can imagine and then the book of John the disciple whom Jesus loved the one that stood at the cross when when Jesus says uh, mother your son son your son your mother when he was dying he elected John to take his place as the son of Mary and and Mary to be his his mother and it was just so intimately amazing to see John referred this way Jake we talked about this it's so amazing. Because John is the writer and he's referring to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then the very last verse of John, he says, you know, if, if, if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain all the books. Like, isn't that just a really cool first person thing to say, to say, I was there. Like, you can't you don't really get that perspective when we read until we kind of bring it into light that they were really there and walked with Jesus side by side. But this passage is, is talking about Jesus and the Father being one in the light of the world, and he's, he's referring the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's touching on a lot of points here. And the, the main point is that he knows where he's going, and he knows where he came from, and he says the flesh doesn't. And so I was really focused on this idea of decision trails. It's really just a perspective change on looking at paths in hindsight. And I was thinking about these two dogs I used to have. I'm allergic, by the way, but I had two huskies, really smart move. Purebred, blue-eyed, pretty, full, fluffy huskies that shed everywhere. And we kept them outside because I was allergic. This is before we had kids. And when it would snow, you probably, and some of you all have a puppy or a cat or something or a chihuahua. When it snows and you let them out, you see their little footprints, Right? And you know it's your dog, and then what do you also know when something else got in your yard, right? Like a deer, or God forbid a geese those are the most arrogant species on the planet. Who likes geese, said no one ever. You know by the prints they're leaving, or my dogs, they were really good at digging, and I had a what's called an electric fence. And they would make just a mud mess of my backyard. Any grass that turned green, they would make sure to end that quickly by digging. And there would be paw prints everywhere. And if you tried to follow the, the path, it was just like spaghetti. It was, you could tell they were running in crazy, they'd run in this figure-eight pattern in the yard, and they'd burn the grass up through this pattern that they'd run, and eventually it became a mud pit. And then it just looked like a, a dogfight or something. There was just prints everywhere. But one thing I know is that I recognized their prints that they were leaving, And so it sounds really silly, but when you think about that every decision you make is leaving a trail behind you like footprints, it really makes you think about how you decide things differently because we're taught to think about our decisions for self. We even preach purpose, you know, find your path. It's all about us finding the thing that's ahead of us, but what about the thing that's coming behind us from each step we're taking? We don't really think of it like that. So... I don't know if it was just God convicting me or God getting my attention to speak this word, but months ago, I started looking at the trail behind the decisions I've made and also thinking about the trail that will be produced by the decisions I'm going to make. As a, as a father, for example, I've got a 13-year-old daughter now, and I've got to be really conscious because whatever I'm leaving for her, guess who's, what she's going to do? She's going to follow it. How many how many ever been down a trail that wasn't, wasn't good? And usually I'll I'll get all like, come on, somebody, are you awake? Well, I can't tell if you're raising your hand, so it's good. Everybody's participating today. It's great. (laughs) Oh, so funny. I got really cheap humor here. It's free. But honestly, have you ever thought about how impactful our decisions can be? Really impactful. Like our decisions are able to affect others in addition to ourselves. We talk about walking the path, yet our path leads remnants behind us, where we've been, and also displays the direction to where we're going. It does both, depending on which direction you're looking at it. One way's forward, one way is hindsight. Either way, one thing led to the next thing. It's a daisy chain of decision. And so there's a trail that's critically affecting our children our neighbors, our co-workers, our spouse, our family. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't think at all about that when I'm making a decision. I'm making the decision based on how does it fit what I'm trying to do personally first. And so that's often where people stay. And so when there's never a conscious that there's a trail being left from it, That can be dangerous, disheartening. Every decision has a trail to it. It's the sequence, everybody say sequence, of previous steps we took to land where we are right now. How did you get here today? You took some steps. You got up. You got in the car. You brushed your teeth, let's hope. You you put on some deodorant, let's hope. Not everybody. I know some of you organic people. I get it the medals. And um, you didn't just show up here. You decided to come here. And by deciding to come here, you left a trail behind you of how you got here. And that's the path others see eventually. Sometimes it's not as literal as getting in a car, but it's, it's, it's behavioral um, decisions in the moment of peer pressure and influence and, and those kind of things are leaving trails for our peers. peers for peer. Uh, I was the little brother, like uh, my big brother or big sister, they left trails for me to see how certain things could go down when you become a teenager. And then I had a choice to decide, would I follow that trail or would I make a different one, the different path? The trail is when I look at it in hindsight. The path is when I look at it in forward view. It's still a path either way you either way you put it. So as you look forward to what comes next, will you notice the trail that God has you following right now to get you to today? And this is the really cool and scary part. If we're not discerning our decisions, is that your decision trail is leading someone's tomorrow. Your decision trail is not just about you. It's leading someone that could be you, That could be others, and that could be both. Someone's tomorrow. And when you think about that, that makes me decide things a little differently. So the question before you can decide on how to path, how to pave the path, and what what trail to follow, you got to look at where you've been and where are you going. I've preached this because I believe it wholeheartedly, but when you make a decision, do you make it in a single thought or three steps ahead, or 10 steps ahead, meaning every decision I make, what are three follow-up things that will happen because of it? Most people aren't that proactive with their thinking. It's kind of like in the moment, on the spot, just impulsive is kind of like how we're taught to do it. but and that's what the flesh teaches. But when we don't think ahead as we make a decision in the moment, we don't see consequences coming that are more 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 substantial than the quick gain we got of the thing in the moment you know it's like it's like numbing the pain versus fixing the problem does that make sense so so in the moment maybe we're 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 getting by but we're not seeing a subsequent problem building from the decisions we're making that are three steps ahead that if we just stopped and paused for a minute maybe we would see Maybe I don't want to do it that way. Maybe that's not what I want. I really thought I wanted that, but maybe that's not it. Those subsequent decisions and consequences is what I mean are not super apparent. They could be 10 years later. I catch my kids now saying stuff a certain way, and I'm like, man, that sounds so much like me, and I don't like how that sounds and, and 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 um you know you can't control some of that, but just interaction with people is impressioning them. I've even seen how they they use the same slang as me, they use the same dialogue. When you're around somebody enough, you you inhabit their inhibitions and their their vernacular and their their behavior, you're, you're influenced just like you're influencing. So we gotta figure out where do we draw the safety line and keep it. God's way versus being influenced by the world to where now we call it God's way, but it's really just the world. That's a dangerous place to be. It's forward thinking. And good leaders are forward thinkers. Because when they make a decision that sounds good, they think about the repercussions of what it could affect elsewhere. For example, When we started this church, we had a small little Yamaha subs... subs I cannot speak today. I cut my caffeine. Can you all tell? (laughs) We had a small little sound system, and we had a couple microphones. I'm thinking by looking at the stuff. And um, we then evolved to another sound system and more microphones, and then we would change our process on how we do things. And there used to be this thing all the time when we were mobile where if there was a problem, people would want to just change something, just change it. Oh, just do it this way. And I had to always, like, be the bad guy because I already knew the other five things that are affected by that. And I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm using me as an example, but I make bad decisions all the time, trust me. And, and, and I, I, what I'm saying is somebody had to know that by fixing this, you just broke five other things. Does that make sense? And that kind of decision-making is critical to stability Otherwise, you've got a mess. You ever seen like the cables in the back? I don't know if you all seen the cables in the back. They take your nice cables when they're building stuff, and they just pile them up like they're trash because they're building some walls. And then someone's got to go back there and sort them back out, and it's like a, it's like a rat's nest. You ever got like a, a tangled up shoelaces, anything? Like tangled up mess, it's like a rat's nest. It's because, because those decisions weren't being made properly on how to progress. It was quick and dirty. And so sometimes you got to pull it back, slow it down, and choose carefully because there's three, four, five things that happen. And that's what paving a trail looks like. You have to be conscious of how it's going to affect your kids, your family, your friends in a good way, in a bad way, and then make the decision. That's the starting point. I won't, I'll say Georgette. Georgette always telling me Man, I don't know. Some people are just so blessed. And it's just I'm not one of them. But if you look at the decision trail of Georgette, and I love her to death, everything led to the next bad thing. You can, you can plot it on paper and watch. When this decision happened, it created this problem. When this, it, was, it was a series of bad decision making that led to a lot of problems. And what do we do? God just don't love me. God just not blessing me the same. Doesn't that sound silly? God gave us a brain for a reason. And what I'm saying there is we need God's influence, and we're going to get to that here. But he gave us discernment, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because we can't discern the things of God without God in us. And he gave us the ability to make wise decisions. And if we don't make wise decisions and we just run by the seat of our pants, everything just goes haywire and then we think we're cursed or the devil's out for us and I hate to break it to you, but sometimes you're just making bad decisions. It's that simple. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of the time the problem could be fixed if you trace back the trail. And it's it's hard to watch. Because this can go on for 30 years. And guess what? The longer the trail gets, the harder it is to create a new path. Because people like their trails and don't want to let go of them. <laughs> you getting this? You got to be prepared for what's coming. And when you don't think ahead, you're not a forward-thinking. forward-thinker, surprises mess you up. When you're used to forward-thinking... Nothing surprises you. Nothing catches you off guard because you thought it through and knew the, the the risk and the reward and the in-between, and you knew how to evaluate to keep your distance like, like they do in fighting. They're evaluating risk by distance. Your decision trail is leading someone's tomorrow. And this is the good news is that Your past does not determine your future, so quit blaming it. Your decisions do. You know what made the past a mess? Decisions. Not always. There's circumstances here. I'm not not being mean here. I'm saying there's circumstances. We can't control the past, but we can decide on the future and how to change the path. Some things are just out of our hands and will always be. We can't control sickness always, and we can't control um, accidents and, and things, but we can control our decisions. And so when we keep saying, God wasn't there for me, and my past is just too messed up to do anything for God today, God said, that's a great reason, I think, for you to make a new path. And when your past gets bad enough, guess what people do? They make a new path. Because it's got to get bad enough for them to be hungry enough for a real change. I'll never forget my brother telling me when he had his first kid. And um, I'll just say he didn't have the greatest teen years by choices, and he would admit this. And when he had a baby, he said everything changed on how he thought about decisions. Because he knew every decision was not anymore just about him. It was about his family. And so he, he, he got a lot more conservative in a lot of ways. Like, he really started being more responsible in a lot of ways. And he was just a young kid at the time. But he changed because he knew his decision now was creating these trails. And, he, you know, he's just the best dad in the world today. And now he's a grandpa, for goodness sake. But what I'm saying is that's a decision to change the trail that you're leaving. Because when it gets bad enough, you know that the trail leads to a dead end if you keep going that way. And sometimes you got to change it. Look to your neighbor and say, you got to change it. So where do you stand? And this is good. Where do others stand around you? Like, how does this lead to trailblazing? I'm going to get there. You can't go a direction if you don't know your footing, how you're facing how many watched the UFC last night? Anybody? Justin Gaethje, he's good, isn't he? And he says, he goes, my coach always tells me that if I can control my opponent's feet, I can win the fight. And what what fighters do is they evaluate distance, angles, uh, range. And what he's saying is, By controlling how his opponent moves his feet, his opponent can never get a footing for the attack, so that leaves the opponent vulnerable for for the offense, and so it's really influencing how he steps. Isn't that cool? I know it's violent, people get hit and stuff, but it's really strategic. There's a strategic thing going on in the middle of the chaos, and that is where do I step to stay safe? How do I step to move forward? Where am I going? And look at my opposition around me. We're going to call that opponent influence today, like peer pressure, peer influence. My friends do it. My family's always done it that way. Might as well just be the same. But eventually some of you all get into a point where you see you don't want to be like what you've seen. Amen. I know you're all getting this because I know this is common. We think we think we're cursed in this, but we can break the cycle. We can change the cycle. I, if I ever write a book someday, I got one I want to call it "Reaping What's Been Sown." Reaping what's been sown, and that's that's the person who got caught being influenced in a way that that took their childhood through something, and then they had a decision to make: Do I want to change? the cycle, the path? Or do I want to keep reaping what was sown into me because influence, just like we sow the seed of God into others, influence sows seed into us and poisons our garden. So there's a point where we got to say, we don't want that because we don't want to reproduce that because if that's the trail I've been following all my life, that's the trail I'm going to reproduce for my children to follow. And then they're going to go through the same pain I did. And I have a choice now as a dad to make a different decision. So what path will I create for them to follow? I'm leaving something. It's falling behind me right now. I'm leaving something. If I'm a jerk, my kids are going to be a jerk and think it's okay. If I'm a, if I'm a drug addict, if I'm an alcoholic, if I'm, a, if I'm a selfish person, like whatever it is, if I'm loving, if I'm faithful, whatever it is, there's remnants falling. Your decision trail is leading someone's tomorrow. That stance affects the pivot. Fighters never go straight in. That's how they get knocked out. It's about the footing to change the angle, to change the direction. It's all about the footing that creates the new direction. So some of y'all need to change your direction so you can create a new path because we just keep following the same broken path. Like, how many have a path around their neighborhood with a cool little pond and ducks and stuff? Anybody? If you're raising your hand, good. If you're not, I can't tell anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> but eventually, you get back to the starting point. You're just going in a circle. Well, that's good, because you, you're, you're not really wanting to leave your neighborhood. But that's bad when that's your, your, purpose, your purpose path. You're just walking in this circle, and you're always going back to square zero. That's not a good path to stay on, because eventually the path might create new new little paths into the woods, and you don't know where that's heading, but you get used to it enough, you'll just go down that path anyway, because that's what everybody does. But God wants someone today to create their own path that leads others to him in a different way, in, in a positive way. And you got to have a crossroads for that decision. Remember, it's about decision-making, and it creates decision trails. That crossroads must happen. Uh, Eric Clapton, crossroads. you got to hit the crossroads and decide which direction you want to go. And if you never get to a place desperate enough that the crossroads is important to you, then you haven't felt the impact yet. Of what the trail is doing, possibly to you and your family and your future. You gotta have a crossroads. This is really good. I want you to get this. The trail is not only followed, but it's being left. When you're out of the picture, guess what's not? Your trail. You left the trail for someone else to follow, and you're not even there anymore. You're leaving a trail. I think about really, really depressing thoughts, like when my kids are old and I'm not here anymore, and they have kids, and and I know the reality of life, and and I think about how will they be like a grandparent, you know? And my, she's turning, she's turning 13. I'm already thinking about like when she's a grandparent. Weird, weird stuff like that. Is anybody else weird like me? Gets weird thoughts like that. Mike, Amen, brother, and um. At that point, those are trails I left. So I'm trying to be more conscious now of the trails I'm building because whatever I'm building, I'm leaving. You getting this? Now you're thinking about that decision this week differently. Like, I'll go party with them. I'll go do this. I'll just cut them off in traffic. I'll just give them the curse word vocabulary that I've known since childhood all in 30 seconds in the car. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care because I don't care. I'm mad. I don't care. How many ever seen somebody? I don't care in the moment, you know. Just, I don't care. Start caring because you're hurting you more than you're hurting them. And guess what? Especially, like, when we lose our cool and get all mad at people and stuff. It don't even bother them half the time. But what does it do to you? It wrecks your day. Why would we allow the enemy to trick us into thinking, acting a fool in impulsive situations is going to make us feel better? It only makes you feel depressed and down, and then you think your life's no good because you feel depressed. It's because of decisions we're making in the moment. That's why when we're put on the spot under pressure, the instinct is to go more impulsive than even when there's time. And when there's no time, that's when you stop and pause anyway, and you just wait If you have to wait, don't respond right away. Wait five minutes. That text didn't feel right. Don't respond right away. Wait five minutes. The email didn't feel right. I got to tell them right now. No, you don't. Wait five minutes. There's a trail. Maybe the trail is for the person that persecutes you to follow. Maybe you're making a trail for them to change because they don't even know they need it because they're giving you a hard time for being in church. They're giving you a hard time for coming to One Seed Church with all these signs and what kind of Christian church would would promote Jesus like that. That's a joke. You know how much hate we've got for having 125 signs in St. Charles County? I mean, we're going to have 200 soon, so we're going easy right now. You think I'm playing. We want to promote God that gets attention. We want to create new trails in people's mind to the church, literally. No, I'm just kidding. But we want to do it God's way, and we have to take a stance and start plowing a path. And here's, here's the hope in this. You're not alone. You have another decision The decision is, do you want God in your life, in you, filling you with his spirit so you can act as an authorized agent on behalf of him like Christ said? Remember, Jesus said here, I know where I came from and where I'm going. There's only one way to know, and that's by the spirit that was in him. When God gives you the spirit, That's the only spirit of God there is. God is spirit. It's just not complicated. When he gives you the spirit, it is imputed into you. That means by his righteousness, you are, you are now bonded to him. It is nothing in ourselves that gives us the ability to, to be wise like God, to, to live as God would have us to live. It's only by his grace and mercy that we can bind with his spirit. We call that the salvation process. We call that the new the new covenant experience of transformation according to the book of Acts. Yeah, we preach it because it's in the Bible. And so, so we call it it that because that's the only way we can be as Christ was in this. He's spiritual in this. He said the, y'all don't know where you're going. You don't know where I'm going, but I know because I and the Father are one. Watch this. He says in John 16, verse 13. This is eight chapters later. He says, but when the spirit of truth, let's put up 16, 13. When you have it, say click, click. Okay, cool. When he, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. This is Jesus speaking. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only to what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus is so good. This is so, so crazy. In John 14, he says, uh, I, the, 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 the spirit will come to you, and he will not leave you orphans. And then he says, I'll come to you. God is not conceited. He's not going to say, I'm coming to you. I'm going to fill you. I am Him. But God says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Bible also says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is God in action. The Spirit now is God moving in the regeneration process. It's just another way to describe how God operates. But the same Spirit is Christ's Spirit. He's a decision lender. I'm not talking about a bank lender. God is a decision lender by the power of the Spirit in you when you receive it. When the Spirit of God gets in you, now he's lending you direction to make good decisions, to sense uh, warnings, to sense red flags. This don't feel right. It's because it's not right. And God gave you that. That's why it's imputed. Is It's all God operating within you as one. That's why the Bible calls, it, calls the church the, the body of Christ. It's because they received his spirit in Acts after the resurrection. And now they have the ability to be authorized to act as Jesus did on his behalf. Isn't that good? Well, that's weird. Sure is so is resurrection, so is crown of thorns, so is, so is eating a fish sandwich when someone had just stuck a spear in my side. Tell Thomas about that one. God does weird things. And if it's weird to you, maybe that's what's knocking on your door because God is spiritual. And just like Jesus tried to tell them, you can't even see what I see because you're not spiritual. And if you expect it to be good and you expect it to be lasting, you got to get your spiritual eyes and ears together and forget the spotlights because I'm trying to get you to see in your spirit. And guess what? They thought it was weird. Until later. By the time they get to Acts, everything Jesus preached, y'all can stand with me. Everything Jesus preached started to come back full circle in the conversations he had with them. Like all the weird stuff. Like he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And we're like, what? He's freaking people out. He's talking about eating his flesh. Not literally. Literally. He says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What kind of God would we serve if he couldn't relate to us? I wouldn't serve a God who was who disconnected from humanity. The reason our God is the only God is because he has a connection of reconciliation to humanity by the blood that was shed. Because sacrifice makes atonement. That's why we have all this lead up through what we call the Old Testament because when Jesus came, it was prophetic that for God to redeem, there had to be sacrifice. And so we take that sacrifice and then he says, I'm gonna give you a gift. I'm gonna give you a gift of my spirit if you want it. It's a decision. And when you get this gift inside of you, I'm gonna live in you for the rest of eternity. Eternity. There's no expiration like my 30-day car wash I forgot to use this week who knew they expired god says this doesn't expire and now that i'm in you i can lead you and i can lend you the right direction i can warn you i can give you i can give you goosebumps when it's good and i can give you give, give you stomach stomach rumbles when it's bad i can give you infirmities that you didn't know what you're dealing with but but my spirit makes intercession for you to lead and guide you that's how he guides us into the right path which creates the right trail. You getting this? You gotta have the Spirit. You're not His without the Spirit, the Bible says. I'm not making it up. We can be offended. We can say we're just full of grace. Grace is a doorway and faith walks through it. Grace is the doorway. God said, I didn't have to put a door here for you, but I chose to. Now it's up to you to decide if you're going to walk through it. And if you do, there's a good chance the trail you pave, your kids will walk through that door. That's why we do it. That's why this church exists. I love y'all, but I created it for my babies first because I got scared what I saw. And I didn't want to put on a show no more in church. I wanted to be kingdom driven, going out and getting people saved into the kingdom of heaven. And I didn't want my kids to be grandparents and going, what is this God thing? What kind of trail did my daddy leave? Nothing. I don't know. So we're going to keep passing along just like my dad trailed to me and my mother trailed to me. Now I got to trail to them because eventually they're going to trail it to someone else. And that's motivating. And that's how God designed it. Your path will take you somewhere you thought you could never get to, but he must be in you, and he wants to be in you. I want to get you to pray about something in your off time in the upcoming weeks. When this Easter comes, I want you to think about why he had to die. It's so he could be in you after. He could never give up the Spirit and give it to you until he gave it up on the cross first. He had to release it so it could come back into the church. God wants you to be part of that church. That is the Christian church, according to the Bible. Someone told me the other day, this really upset me. They said there was something online, and it was actually a a, a compliment, and it it freaked me out a little bit. He says, um, he didn't know he was talking to me on this email. Uh, Sometimes I respond to a a church email that's just from our general mailbox, and he says, um, yeah, what drew me to your church is your pastor preaches the Bible, and that's rare these days. I'm serious. The pastor preaches the Bible, and that's rare these days. What are we living in? That's disgusting. Doesn't that make you sick? That makes me sick. People are being deceived. There's wolves in sheep's clothing. If we throw out the text, we throw out God. We can do it with love and grace, and we will, and we do. But for that to stick out about one Seed Church, that scared me a little bit. But you know what it did? It got me excited said, God's doing something then. God's showing a separation that the world is craving, and that's the path we are building, the difference, the distinct, unique thing that is different. I want to close with a little story about my Camilla. She was the one-year-old who came up today. And you know how they say, like, the firstborn always, like, they're the, they get tested, they they're the test bed how to do it with the rest of the kids. Like, they suffer because you, you made the mistakes on them, and then you, well, I mean, I'm not saying that, but, but like, you know, I see how fast it goes, and I can't rewind it. And just like that, my 13 year old was a one year old. I mean, just like that. The same thing, grabbing the pants, starting to pull up. Now they're standing. They're starting to talk in baby tongues. I don't know what they're saying, but God does. And I guess she has an infirmity. And uh, Camilla is now where my Chloe was. But she's my fifth baby and the last. And so I see the window. And so if I'm not conscious of what I'm building in my house, let alone church, what am I building in my house? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you building inside the walls of your home? What are you exposing inside your home? What are you, what are you seeing inside your home that maybe is affecting your kids? Like, I'll watch some stuff, think they don't notice, and now they're noticing because they're bigger. And so Camilla this morning was, uh, we got these two chairs, the recliners, and they're kind of close, and they form like this little teepee that only like a one-year-old could squeeze through. And her new thing is to crawl through there and, like, sit and, like, just, it's like a little fort. And she, she now grabs the coasters like Chloe used to grab the coasters. And we have the coaster sets, and she'll stack them, and she'll carry the coasters around. And then she's got a bobo and then one of these little, like, rice things that you eat. They call it food. And, and she'll be sitting in there. So this morning she's sitting in there. And I'm sitting on the fireplace waiting to come to church, and the TV's behind me, and I see this between the chairs, and I just see her body, and she's playing with the coasters, and then I see her look up, and then she's just taking a glance at Peppa Pig on the TV. She's just glanc—just making her show still gone, you know, she's sorting them. The coasters and everything and then she's like grabs them all together and she conquered the coasters and now she's just kind of kind of rolling around in the weird way she crawls she's got a very unique camilla gwaltney way of moving and then and then she comes back and she looks at the tv and she's just going about her thing and those are the moments that like are are where the value's at and i want to be conscious of that and because the the consciousness to the detail is what's gonna make me a better dad. It's gonna what makes us a better husband, father, brother, friend. Is is being conscious of those details just sitting around you. Because I don't know about you, I can just kind of gloss right through it. It's like it can be all business if I needed to be, and I don't remember a thing if I if I don't make a conscious effort to, to look. And so that's gonna affect the trail. Maybe, maybe I'm not gonna make the trail so steep up a hill. Maybe I'm not going to make it so jig-jag- jig-jagged, uh, zig-zagged. Maybe, maybe, maybe like, hey, she's one. Okay, um, what's good for her? I'm going to be more attentive to my response to things, my annoyance to things, my verbalizing things in front of others because that influences them. And then they start sounding like you. So those are just some examples that, that sound really silly maybe to some of you. But, man, if if we start practicing the word of God in our house, the world is easy. Your biggest battles will come in your home. Your biggest battles won't come in the church on Sunday morning. They'll come in the car ride. They'll come in your home. They'll come with your family. And so when we learn to navigate those waters, we become a really strong soldier for God's kingdom. And I can preach to that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you might lift a hand with me and you've never done that, I I challenge you to to try it today. It's a sign of surrender. And when we physically express to God, something happens at the heart. And so we surrender, God. We really want to make these paths straight towards you, God. Help us think forward by paying attention to what we're leaving that every decision matters and that even the ones we don't think matter they matter let every decision be something that that blesses not only my household, my children but the people I come across on the street in the Starbucks, in the Targets, wherever I come across let me be leaving a trail let me be following a trail that you're, you're lending, you're trailblazing me God, so when you're trailblazing us, we can just drop it behind us and keep going and that's the, that's the comfort we will have, God, with our children, knowing that when the trail is ultimately being blazed by you, Jesus, the, the path is easy. It will, it will be there. I don't have to worry about if I messed it up. I don't want to be in the way of that. I just want to help leave it for them so help me be a trailblazer in the name of jesus christ today help me be a, a godly man and a godly woman and a godly son or daughter and a godly friend a godly co-worker that start leaving remnants that leads these people that don't even know they're lost to the to the storehouse to be fed to find find the sheep and to get away from the wolves. Let us have the strength to evaluate the enemy's position and their footing that we need to step away from that. That's dangerous. I can't step towards God when I'm standing next to that. So it's time I find my own way. I find God's way. And if they want to follow, they can follow. But if they don't want to follow, God will get them laid. for that now, God, and that the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.